It's going to be 54 to 7. But the truth is, you know, the, the, what the fans want is what the NCAA video games were for. You could play all the hard games in the non-conference, and it didn't matter, and you still had fun playing it. Yeah, that's that's the truth, is the fans aren't really willing to pay for these garbage games anymore. But, you know, I, I think the fans also want their team in the playoffs, and maybe that overrides everything. I'm with you. Well, very well said. I will say about the Florida Atlantic game, if you, you know, that might be worth the ticket as long as you can get behind the Florida Atlantic bench that you can at least yell at Lane Kiffin. So that kind of would increase the ticket value right there. You can yell uh, at Lane Kiffin. Uh, keep it clean, though. You know, keep it family-friendly, of course. Um, you know, I think uh, I want to talk about Tate Martell a little bit here. Um, obviously transferred to Miami. I was wondering if he was – I thought maybe at best he would just say nothing. I thought that's probably what he would do. He, I didn't think he was going to trash Ohio State. But he was interviewed recently, and he really was extremely classy and very um, complimentary toward Ohio State. Called it his dream school, said there's no hard feelings. He, you know, the staff sat him down and basically said, you're welcome to stay, but, you know, you're going to be behind Justin Fields. You, you might be behind Matthew Baldwin, too, because Matthew Baldwin was there, too. So, he, you know, they said you might want to look elsewhere. They were very honest with him, and he appreciates that, and he feels like he's in a good situation. Um, it's not going to be Joe Burrow level where everybody's like getting like, you know, basically becoming LSU fans. But, you know, and, and Tate Martell's not guaranteed to be the starting quarterback, as you know, backs at Miami. Um, but if he is, if Tate Martell is the starter this year, I'll be rooting for him. Will you? Yeah, I'm not upset with Tate. Uh, the, the, the kid came here. You know, we wondered if his skill set was going to translate with this shift to a new system. And obviously, I think everybody thought that it wasn't necessarily the best fit anymore. Um, and then he went to Miami. He didn't crap on OSU on his way out. That, like you said, that interview, he was he was downright complimentary towards OSU. There were no bombs thrown. There was nothing there. You know, he said nice things about the staff. And this, look, this Uncle Dutch conversation with six, seven, eight kids a year. Hey, if you want to stay, great, but you're probably not going to play. That's just the truth. And a kid like Tate Martin wants to play. I can't hate on that. You know, there's nothing wrong with Tate going to Miami, especially when he knows that the staff told him, hey, buddy, look, all that talk about staying and competing is great and we love it, but odds are you're not going to beat him. I want you to be aware of that up front because guess what? That's the kind of thing that helps Ohio State with recruits because it means that they're being truthful with their players. There's a lot of schools where they would have blown smoke up Tate's ass and told him, hey, you got a chance to compete for the job, man. He's tough, but we think you can do it. And then at the end, been like, well, Justin Fields won out. You're the backup now. And then Tate's stuck in a spot where he doesn't even get to go through spring football at his new school of choice. OSU told him the truth. That's the biggest thing I take out of this. And I, I, I don't really ever root for the Miami Hurricanes just because I, I hate their fans. But I won't have a problem with Tate doing well there if he ends up stuck. He's got a long way to go that, though. He was getting booed during their spring game. He was so bad, apparently. So, you know, best of luck to him. There's no there's – no, hard feelings with Tate Martell leaving OSU for me. How dare you speak badly of the Miami fans? I mean, those are four really good people. Hey, nine. <sighs> All right, moving right along after that bad joke. It's just such low-hanging fruit when you talk about Miami fans. Uh, oh, you know both of them, too. Um, uh, getting into Justin Fields, I mean, you know, we can talk about this topic probably every week on the show. Um, what do you expect from Justin Fields this year? What are your reasonable expectations? I think there's going to be ups and downs naturally, but overall, what do you expect from him? Well, you know, we've talked before about how we think his progression is going to be one who runs a lot earlier in the year until he gets a little more comfortable 
uh, it, it, running the passing game for OSU and getting used to the next level of the offense, throwing the ball. Uh, I, I think that he's a kid who has a very high ceiling as a passer, though. And the real question is how fast is he going to develop into that guy who can throw the ball at an elite level? Uh, because he's not just a running quarterback. I think everybody wants to shoehorn him into that after Georgia brought him in last year and had to essentially play a Braxton Miller as a Braxton Miller senior without a throwing arm. And I don't think Justin Fields was allowed to or attempt to pass in points in games where the outcome was in doubt at Georgia. But I think at OSU, he's going to immediately be a guy who's an accurate passer, but maybe a little inconsistent. He's going to be a guy that maybe doesn't get down to the third or fourth option because he knows he can take off and go with those wheels. And I think those wheels as he develops is not going to be picking up a ton of yardage, but creating a ton of time for himself. So I, I think early on you're going to see him, oh, fields through for 220 yards and a touchdown, ran for 85 yards and three touchdowns. You're going to see stuff like that early on from him. But I do think as the year goes on, you're going to see him developing into a better and better passer. And Look, he's at a school where he could easily put up numbers to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I already think, for example, he's a superior player to Shea Patterson. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how his numbers pan out at the end of the year. I don't think he's going to throw for 3,000 yards. So I will put that out there. I think he's going to be more of your 2,800. Uh, he'll th- throw for 2,500 and run for 800 kind of guy this year for OSU. Uh, unless OSU ends up making a run to the national championship game, then an extra game or two to play in would certainly make a difference. But I do think he'll come in at OSU and be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, if not the best quarterback in the conference, by the time things are all said and done. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, he, he's not going to throw for 3,000 yards. It's funny, with Dwayne Haskins last year throwing for almost 5,000 yards, over 4,800 yards. I mean, it's it's almost easy to forget the, the school record prior to Dwayne Haskins just shattering it, it was Joe Germain at 3,330 yards. So, yeah, that's I, I don't look for, you know, like, like you mentioned, unless they play like 15 games or something, then he could get to like over 3,000 yards. But, yeah, I think he's going to have a solid year. But, uh, you know, he's going to be almost like a uh, – a mix between what we've seen. He's not going to be Braxton Miller where he, you know, is complete, just an electric runner but really struggles throwing at times. Although Braxton had his moments as well. I think he can be kind of a in-between where he's, you know, a really good runner. Not quite, you know, obviously he's not going to be a passer like Dwayne is, but he'll be a better passer than Braxton was, in my opinion. He'll be a better passer than JT Barrett was, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a good problem to have when you lose a stud like Dwayne and you have a high-ceiling guy like Justin coming in. Um all right, finish the show here. I want to talk about Ohio State's defensive line. I love this group. I have a smile on my face right now if you could see me. I mean, so I was looking at this line, and, and uh, I knew they were deep as heck, and, and guys that would beat starters in most programs, or at least some programs, are like third stringers here. So I'm going to go through 13 guys. I jotted out 13 guys I think are at least going to play a little bit this year, or at least going to be in the mix. And, and there might be more. We'll start with I have seven D tackles and six DNs. I want you to comment on all this when I'm done. Okay, so the defensive tackles I wrote down. B.B. Landers, Devon Hamilton, Tommy Togiai, Jason Cornell, Teron Vincent, Haskell Garrett, Antoine Jackson. Yes, Antoine Jackson, former five-star recruit, uh, is the seventh defensive tackle on my list. He'll be uh, on the third team. Defensive ends. One, Chase Young. Two, Jonathan Cooper. Three, Tyreek Smith. And really, Tyreek Smith could be more two than three after the, the season plays out, in my opinion. Four, Tyler Friday. Five, Javante Jean-Baptiste. And six, Zach Harrison, a.k.a. Zach Harrison. I'm telling you what, man. The, the, we've seen some deep defensive lines over the years at Ohio State and some talented ones. This one's going to be right up there. 
certainly going to be the deepest, and I'm not, they don't have maybe the top end, you know, crazy. I mean, they do with Chase Young. Uh, it's not like they've got like maybe you know three first round picks out of this group, but they've got a lot of talented players. Like BB Landers is a great example back from a guy that's a great college player. I don't know how he's going to translate to the NFL, but just your thoughts on this defensive line. So when you named those seven D linemen at, at D tackle, I just started laughing and I started thinking, what's the inside equivalent of the rushmen? You know, you could put four of those guys on the field at once and have a good D line in general, like the crush men or something. I don't know, but you've got, <laughs> it's just an insane group there. Right? And uh, the fact that Jackson, who was the number one junior college player in the country before coming to OSU and coming out of high school, I believe he was a five-star kid is seventh on your list. And by the way, I agree. You know, the, the guys ahead of him are probably guys who are going to play more. That says a lot about how darn good that D tackle group is. And I think coming into the year, I, I thought the D tackles were deeper than defensive ends. And just saying the way you just did there in order, yeah. Like, you forget about guys like Haskell Garrett sometimes or Tommy Togiai because you go, oh, yeah. Well, he was good when we saw that little bit of him last year. By the way, some of these guys are really young, so you've got a couple more years of them in the future, uh, whenever they're going to be the front-line D tackles, and that's an exciting thing. And, and then the D ends, you know, Chase Young's projected as a top-10 NFL pick next year. Uh, he's going to be, if he keeps that long hair, he'll be doing, you know, Adidas Predator commercials about this time next year, you know. <laughs> and the, the, the rest of those guys, I mean, Javante Jean-Baptiste was – Excellent in the spring game. I mean, he was one of the guys that everybody talked about saying, wow, look how fast that guy is. Uh, well, a lot of us are very high on Tyreek Smith. Jonathan Cooper is a guy who has been consistent. He's been good to very good at times. He hasn't been great yet, but you never know. He has, certainly has that ability, and he's a Central Ohio kid too, so that's the added benefit of us rooting for the local guy. Uh, and then you've you got a guy like Tyler Friday, by the way, who a lot of people think is going to be darn good, and we just haven't seen a lot of him yet. And then, of course, Zach Harrison, who was only you know, the highest-rated player in the country practically last year. So, yeah, uh, this, the, the, the depth is bountiful at this position. But that's a good thing because teams that win national championships have elite defensive lines. You don't win titles if your D-line is just okay or you have one or two guys. This is the, you know, five years ago we would have called this, quote, Alabama depth, right? You know, it's, it's not quite like Clemson last year where they were – getting first-round picks suspended for PEDs that are on cupcakes or something. But, you know, it's, it's still an exceptional defensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if this was the country's best defensive line uh, when it's all said and done. And I think that's really the only position group at OSU that I'd go out that far out on a limb to say, I don't think anybody in America is better. There's certainly other position groups that are in the top five or top ten, but this is perhaps, and I would lean probably a 50% chance of it at this point, saying that this is the deepest and most talented group of defensive linemen in America. So that's a really good sign for A, Ryan Day's first year being a success, and B, the defense getting back to being a much better defense after what we saw last year. I think we buried the lead here. I love it. The Crushman. Hopefully Larry Johnson will, will adopt that, add to his uh, yeah. moniker, the Rushman. I love it. The Crushman. Love it. Uh, love having Matt Baxton down on the show as well. He is the people's champ. You can read his column every week on Bucknuts, every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is The Bucket. It is must-read material. Thank you very much, Bax, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. <laughs>